going through challenges in business, going through financial struggles, investing all this money into business, quitting the job, and just going all in on me, and having your back against the wall and not knowing how rent is paid on some weeks, to overcoming a heartbreak, to gaining all of this followers and having the most amount of tension you've ever felt in your life, yet you feel the most lonely you've ever been and having to deal with that polarity and that mask that you're wearing. It's been the, t- the year of my life that has calloused my mind the most out of every year possible. So what was the weight on your shoulders that you needed to shed to become who you are? I needed to be exposed to what was possible. Valued the company at $800,000. We had got investors on board that invested 80 grand for 10% of the company. We had brought a finance and business advisory firm on board uh, for sweat equity to, to sort of run the finance side of our business and help us with business advisory. The hardest conversation to date at that point in time was when we had to go to those investors and say, look, this isn't going to work, we're out. How much of their money, like, have you spent at this point? Was it at a point where... Run out of the money. money. 80 grand. G'day, and welcome to the potty in which I connect with some of the most influential guests from across Australia and the globe to share their very inspirational stories. I was born with cystic fibrosis, a chronic illness in which I was told would most certainly rule my life. But like many of the incredible humans that I have on this show... I'm on a mission to prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we choose to respond to them. I'm your host, the captain of the ship and the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra, and this is a lot to talk about. Chris Griffin, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you here. We've just had a coffee, had a nice little chat, a, a little bit of a, I was going to say a catch up, but it's more of a get to know each other, isn't it? Yeah, really. Well, we haven't really met. So I guess there's actually one time I ran into you. I was at a cafe. Um, I think it might have been with Scotty, actually. And I think he said hello in passing. Very, very brief. I remember. I remember. What cafe but was this? I was down near the beach in Wollongong. Down on North Beach in Wollongong one Probably, day? Probably, yeah. Bro, I yeah. think I remember. Yeah. That's just cut. I remember running down to the water and you guys had come out. Yeah, yeah, we'd come out and we were just getting to the cafe. Yeah. But that was that. a while ago. We didn't bring that up. But yeah, that's, that's probably like where I was first exposed to. And then I saw, I think, we just ended up following each other at mm. some point and then went from there. Well, mate, I started following you because there were these hard-hitting quotes Mm. that I could feel were resonating, not only with myself, but with people in general. Mm. And I actually want to bring up, so the first hard-hitting quote, I went back through the archives to have a look, and I wrote the quote down this morning. It's a profound quote, but you said, never let your past get in the way of your future. Your past can be changed, and your future doesn't deserve the punishment. Yeah, your past can't be changed can't and the future changed. doesn't deserve the punishment. There's something about that that to me felt like you were speaking from a place of pain. Like for that to be the first quote that you shared and which has now been a, a series on TikTok which has amassed a huge following and a huge connection to a community of people who want to better themselves, who want to come through the pain or the struggle that they feel in their life. Why was that the first one you chose? 
Well, if I'm honest, early days, I was throwing a bunch of shit at the wall to see what sticks. I think it's really important when you're starting out a journey is to not be so attached to a certain style of video. Because if you do that and you don't get any results and you just think that the consistency is going to pay off eventually, but you're climbing the wrong ladder, I think it's really bad for your, for your journey because you don't get anywhere and then you kind of lose motivation to do it. So for me, early days, when I was doing the quotes, I was trialing a lot of different things. And I thought about this hard hitting quote concept and there was a few quotes that were coming to mind and... You know, I, I just thought of that one was one that I saw and I was it, it resonated with me a lot because there's this very common theme in a lot of people's lives where they hang on to things from the past knowing that they can't control that thing. And it can be really consuming for people. And as that quote says, it can't be changed and your future does not deserve the punishment of you hanging on to that baggage. It's almost like you're carrying a massive backpack on your shoulders and you just need to take that thing off and start walking forward freely. And it's a big factor. I mean, granted, it's not as easy as that. There's a lot of things that you, you know, might be lacking in your life, which is making you hold on to that. There's a few other factors, but yeah, hanging on to the past can be a massive, massive restrictor for you to actually move forward and and um, achieve things that you want in your life. So over our coffee this morning, we spoke a little bit about our, our journey somewhat, as much as you can share in an hour over a mm -hmm. brew. And one of the things that for me was quite eye-opening is that the man you are right now, the man sing, sitting in front of me, you know, you haven't always been that person. So what was the weight on your shoulders that you needed to shed to become who you are? I needed to be exposed to what was possible because I had limiting beliefs and most people have limiting beliefs on what they actually think their life can amass to. And I was just some cool kid at school, had all the friends, won the jock award at the formal mm. and I played footy and I, I, that was my identity. I just, I was, I trained, I made sure I was fit and healthy and I was just this cool kid at school. But I, was, I felt empty. I felt lost. I didn't know where I was going with my life. I didn't really know what to do. And I had all these pressures from everyone. You know, you should do this. Why don't you study this? Why don't you do this trade? Oh, the mines is doing this, rada, rada, rada. And you kind of, none of it excited me in the slightest. And so I had this bit of a lack of clarity with what I wanted in my life. And then I started getting really close with my now best friend, Sam. And he started letting me in on a bit of the stuff he was learning. And, you know, in, in the business arena. And my eyes just lit up. And the feeling I had when I found that, I was exposed to that. It was almost like all of my focus and motivation just pivoted to business. Mm. Quite literally everything. If you ask anyone that knew me back then saw this massive change and I went on this massive journey of transformation quite literally the person I was 12 months down the line was a completely different person the, pe the people I attracted 12 months after that initial step to the people I attracted in that time 
are two completely different people. You wouldn't be able to recognize them apart from the looks. And it was the most transformational thing in my life to this date for the better. And that's what I needed to do. It wasn't a sense of, it was kind of letting go of those limiting beliefs by being exposed to something greater and being in exposed to people's lives that have things that I wanted to achieve and realizing that a normal, ordinary life wasn't going to get me there. It's interesting, this concept around how one person can change the way that you think. And I can imagine that even that statement there would resonate with people. They'd be able to identify whether it be a partner, a friend, a mentor, who has dramatically changed the exposure that they have, which then changes what they see for themselves. Was Sam already a part of your friend's circle or was he someone newly introduced to you at this time? We've been playing footy for five years, but we weren't friends. In fact, I was this cool kid in footy and he was the guy that no one liked because he would always ask all these questions and stuff. Not no one liked, I I rephrase that, and he'll probably be watching this. It's not like no one liked him, but he certainly wasn't in that crew, Mm. which in reflection is you look at it and you go, it's a crew of wankers. Good on you for not being in it. But in the moment, it was more like he wasn't that, that guy. And it's funny, there's a photo of us that, in a in a like a, re- a representative carnival that we were, we were playing at, and we're walking out of the beach, and it was me, him, and this other guy, Reese. And we weren't really friends back then, but we kind of bonded a little bit on that on that trip. It was a trip away, and then like little bits and pieces here and there. But it's so funny. What happened was when he first started talking about things he was doing. From that day we basically became best friends. We hung out, we were doing, had a ridiculous routine. We were getting up at 3.30 in the morning and meeting at the gym at 4.15. And we were doing this every day and he had just dropped out of school as well, which is something I didn't say before, which really made me think because school wasn't really for me. And I was like, this guy's so smart. Why did he do that? So I wanted to learn about that. And we just clicked. And there's something within us that literally we just like were so aligned Mm. and you know that story about us and 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 still to this day is my business partner today and still to this day we're best friends and it's almost like and like he's the only person and i'm the only person for him that actually gets each other and we've been through so many highs and lows and it's a relationship like no other. You can't des- describe it from moving to Sydney to sharing a bed on the floor because the bed got moldy. So it was a mattress on the corner of a studio apartment in lockdown to things like that, to going, having to speak to investors saying this business isn't going to work. We need to close it down to really hard challenges with, with our personal relationship, just us two, to so many things that relationship is one of a kind and it's one of those things where it's it's literally a brother for life and mm-hmm. you you there's no one no one that matches it and you couldn't even scratch the surface you couldn't even yeah to unpack what we've been through together is rare and the fact that we are still so strong as friends is even rarer and that's why i cherish that person in my life and i'm sure he he does the same with me It's really interesting for me to hear the foundation of your friendship because, you know, you described yourself briefly there, but more so over coffee as this 
jock who really cared about maybe the way that people viewed you from the outside and you know you're a little bit lost and confused on the inside as to what you wanted from your life and your direction how important do you think it was that this guy who was able to change the way that you thought and to provide you with some clarity for the lack of direction that you had how important was the framing of him creating this bond with you and still being into the, the physical stuff like the gym and you know getting after the fitness and the training because it's you know, I've just read, and, and I know that you're a big fan of Stephen Bartlett as well. I've, I'll say read, but I listened to his book. I'm not going to mm. claim that I've read it because I'm a hopeless reader. And one of the things in the book that stood out to me was he spoke a lot about how important the framing of anything is. Mm. Like to grab people's attention, you have to frame an idea, a thought, a business, an opportunity in a way that's attractive to people. Mm. The fact that this guy still resembled some of the stuff you've seen in yourself, that jock, that active fit healthy guy was that really important still to allow you to then embrace this new friendship create this bond in a familiar space mm. whilst learning thinking being exposed to new ideas you need to have something to relate on i think that's how relationships are built when you when you actually strip it back and I'll, i will answer your question in a second in terms of how important that was and what aspects of him had to be in line for it to work but when you actually strip back friend groups and understanding why they change like very rarely do you stay friends especially if you're on a unique path for greatness very rarely do you keep your school friends at, from school and when you actually break down why friend groups change when you leave school it's based on a, on a number of things but when you're in school, it's forced time spent with these people. You're probably spending eight hours a day for five days a week with a small number of people. You've been thrown into a class of, say, 30 people, and you've been forced to spend eight hours a day with these people. Of course you're going to make friends. And then when you leave the school, you realize, okay, there's all these other people that are way more similar to me. Mm -hmm. And so you start gravitating things, so then some of those friends drop off, some of those friends drop off. And then you take it to the next step and you go, how did the friend groups change? How did the friend groups bond at school regardless? Because it's like, if you didn't get along, how do you still become friends even though it's forced time? There's all the relatabilities. They can relate on that shitty PE teacher. They can relate on that assignment that they're doing. They can relate on everything in school. And then when they leave school, all of a sudden, none of these things they can relate on and they're forced to relate from human to human and they go, we're not really alike. So then you move on. And when it comes to people like Sam, who's, who, yeah, we didn't really connect at, at, at footy as much. We didn't go to the same schools or anything. But there was similarities in what we were trying to achieve. There was common goals that we wanted to have. And then you tie that with this active lifestyle that we both prioritized in our life the health component in our life was a massive priority for us. Gel that with common goals, with things we're trying to achieve in our life. And then he's come to me with things he's working on that are going to help us get that one step closer to that goal. All of a sudden, you can't help but think, there's a lot of similarities here. We've got to, we're bringing each other up. Mm. And in a sense, he was more serious and I was more jokingly 
jokey and jock funny kid. I was that funny guy. And he was this really serious business guy. And we kind of brought each other in the middle for, for the good mm. in the sense that I added, I would like to think that I added more character and, and humor and likability to him for a more social aspect. And he brought me more up into more of a serious aspect in business and to be able to um, learn how to communicate better and um, identify opportunity better. And so we kind of joined us in, in the middle, met in the middle, and it really helped both of us dramatically. I think the social aspect is so important in people's life, um, but then equally to achieve greatness, you need to be able to communicate in a way that people that have what you're trying to achieve see something in you mm. and you need to be unique and the age can't be a limiting factor. And if anything, you need to be able to use that age, which we did at 17, to our advantage, making sure that these people that we're getting in front of by the master of networking look at us and see their younger self in them. They look at us and go, why are you in a room at 17 when everyone else is 40 trying to make money? Like using that to advantage and we basically just combined forces and just went to town and went all in on this thing called business and this thing called life. And when we reflect on it, it was a really transformational time for the both of us. So I want you to talk to me about that first real effort to be in that business space together. And particularly, you know, something I know you're very passionate about is breaking down the barriers that people often feel or often express in, I'm too young, people won't take mm -hmm. me seriously. I remember being a 20 year old real estate agent who went into the industry with a lot of those objections from people. Mm -hmm. What's a 20 year old know about real estate? And you have to really work hard. And for me, it was creating whatever evidence I could to show that that was meaningless. And that's not to say that experience isn't important, but for me, I had to play to my strengths. Mm. So what do you feel like the strengths that you two had? What were the strengths that you two had during that time? And what was that first business effort like? Mm. I think there's two things that a young person starting out in business has, or even a young person at all. And the two things they have is their age is young, which is unique, but then they also have their naivety. Now you can use those two things as a negative and go, oh, I'm young, so people aren't gonna take me seriously. I'm naive, so I don't know what I'm getting myself into, and that's gonna affect me. And you can look at it like a negative. I think what we did best was we flipped them on, their, on our head and used our age and our naivety to our advantage. And what I mean by that is we looked at our age and go, how unique is this? Everyone that we're in the rooms with are gonna come up, we're gonna walk up and speak to them with confidence and they're gonna go, we're gonna chat to them for five, 10 minutes and then they ask our age and we go, oh, we're 17. And then they're gonna be like, wow oh my God, I wish my kids were doing this. I wish that I was like that at my age. I started when I was 30 or 40 and you're doing this at 17, you're going to kill it. I need to introduce you to my friends. So use the age as an advantage as opposed to a disadvantage. The naivety is so important because I, we were going to all these free business events, which are just a pitch fest and or just trying to sell all these things. But the naivety that we had in business and in life, if we weren't naive, we wouldn't have gone to these events and gotten in these rooms to be able to use our age to our advantage 
Because if we weren't naive, we literally would go, oh, they're just trying to sell us stuff. If I was 25, 30, trying to go to these free events, I'm like, nothing's free, mate. Like, they're trying to sell us something. It's just going to be a pitch fest. I'm not going to this. Mm. And so we flipped it on our head and said, we're going to be an absolute sponge, the biggest sponge you could possibly find. We know we're young and dumb, but we're learning and we're learning quick. So let's go and meet all these experts, try and create some sort of uniqueness about us that makes us makes them say yes to a coffee do something that's purple cow which we can talk about it's my number it's my favorite book ever and it's a it's a methodology that i live by do stuff that's purple cow to stand out so that people go wow these guys these guys are smart these guys are onto it and i think the, the edge that we had was using those things to our advantage and then doing things in a way that makes us be recent and frequent and rememberable to all these people that we don't know when we're going to need them, but they might come in handy. Mm. So what was the first business? There was two, but I'm going to say that the first main business was Wo Washing. So I think what's important to, to do is break down a little bit more about the story. So 2020... March 2020, Sam had already moved to Sydney. We we're both living on the Gold Coast. He'd already moved to Sydney. He he was working for a company called Success Resources, selling um, events. And anyway, he was there for about six months, and the world was going into a lockdown. It was March 2020, and I was speaking. I was I I'd, I was moved out of home. I was working full time in sales, getting paid peanuts. I had a girlfriend and I was playing footy at a high level. Now at the start of 2020, my girlfriend had broken up with me and that was really tough. Football got postponed in March because they had COVID and they, they postponed it for four months. So I couldn't train seriously. I was, it was my draft year and the job I just got let go of actually. And I was speaking, it was a Friday afternoon, no, it was a Thursday afternoon. And I was speaking to Sam on a FaceTime call. He was literally like a bottle of wine deep as well. He was, he was drinking just at, at, in Sydney, just having a couple of wines. And he's like, mate, why don't you just move to Sydney? And I'm just like, the world's literally going into lockdown. They just announced the borders were closing on Monday and the world's going into lockdown. God knows what I was doing. And I was like, I might have to think about this. And he goes... Well, you've got to let me know by tomorrow. Okay, you sleep on it. Let me know in the morning. I've got to let the landlord know if I'm renewing my lease or not. Anyway, okay. It wasn't even a concept in my mind a day beforehand. Anyway, woke up the next morning, went to the gym, went to the beach. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Let's just do it. I call him up and I say, I'm in. And he's like, oh, what, what were you in about? Are you drinking? <laughs> so yeah, okay, come in. And then anyway, cross the borders went into Sydney, we went into a lockdown, we shared a studio apartment together. Um, I had nothing, no job, couldn't get Centrelink because there was no fair reason to move out of home. And I was sharing this studio apartment. It was tiny, it was underneath a garage of someone's house. And it, yeah, it, it had mold problems. We had to have a dehumidifier in there. We had to chuck the bed out because it got moldy. So we had a little mattress on the floor. And anyway, when I was packing my car filled with all my belongings, 
I had a little car detailing business in high school. I'd mobile car clean. I'd go around to cars and clean. I don't class as a proper business, but I was just doing it to earn some money on the side of, of school. I thought, let's just bring a bucket, a sponge and a vacuum in the back of my car just in case I need it. I don't think I'll need it, but just in case I need it. Times were getting tough. Couldn't get, any, couldn't get anything, um, any support. Couldn't get any work. So I made this little, pam- this little write-up a5 little thing and I had a photo of me and it was a bit of my story and it was basically saying I'd love to clean your car um and I went mailbox dropping it dropping it in the affluent areas around my house got a couple of cars in and I thought well let's take a photo of this thing and post it on the buy swap sell pages in the northern beaches and there was about 120,000 people in this community a lot of people anyway I posted it and I put this really controversial quote in the A5 to hopefully gain some traction. And anyway, I posted it in the buy swap cell and it went viral. What was and the quote? Got, the quote says, so this was at the time when SCOMA was giving all this government support. There was all this money getting handed out everywhere. No one was really w- willing to work. They were just getting all this free money. And I put the quote and I said, in a nutshell... And I, I said, in a nutshell, I mean, the vast minority of millennials that are willing to, in fact, work for their livelihood as opposed to simply taking government support. I'm not even a millennial. I'm Gen Z. I didn't even know what I was talking about. But I put that in there and basically caused all this strife, thousands of comments, big arguments. And I'm like, keep going, boosting the algorithm, had thousands of likes, all the support. And the Post was trying to get cars clean, to clean some cars. Mm. And over that weekend, we had 100 cars booked in from people wanting me to clean the cars. So Sam and I had a lot of cleaning to do over two weeks and a lot of thinking to do on what were the next steps. I was cleaning a car and I just go, how can I service all this demand but not do the work? I'm, I'm doing 10 cars a day, eight cars a day, chaos. Mm. Um, and... I thought about this software company. We we're learning a lot about software. Um, we we're doing the software school program. We we're learning a lot about software as a service, a SaaS business model, and um, and then what happened was I was like, what happens if I created a software that connected car cleaners with people to want to get their car cleaned, kind of like an Airbnb for an Uber for car cleaning. And then they pay on a subscription every single month, and based on the frequency they wanted their car cleaned, they'd pay accordingly. And then we started building out this whole model and our whole apartment at this point, we had just, we had just had, um, we got moved into a two bedroom place. So we had our own rooms and anyway, we had these whiteboards. If you saw a photo of our lounge room, it was just filled with whiteboards on the walls. It looked ridiculous. We weren't, we weren't trying to get women or anything back then. (laughs) That's for sure. And we just started mapping out all these concepts on these whiteboards on the walls. And I wish I could, I'll show you guys a photo of it. And there was this big concepts and drawings and learning all these lessons. And then we're pitching it to all these people. And then four months after operation, we started this thing. Four months after operation, we had valued the company at $800,000. We had got investors on board that invested 80 grand for 10% of the company. We had brought a finance and business advisory firm on board uh, for sweat equity to, to sort of run the finance side of our business and help us with business advisory. And we got them on board and we were off to the races with this 
new business, but we went all in with this thing and there's a lot of flaws with that business and we deemed it not, it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to work. And there was a lot of flaws that meant that it wasn't going to work. Like if one of our cleaners wouldn't vacuum under the driver's seat and we had to send someone else out there to redo it or someone broke a a hose extension and then the client's complaining and all these human error aspects alongside with the fact that people don't want to subscribe to car cleaning they just want to clean it when they want when they need it cleaned Mm. there's all these flaws so um the hardest conversation to date at that point in time was when we had to go to those investors and say look this isn't going to work we're out how much of their money like had you spent at this point was it at a point where ran out of the money no money 80 grand that's a hard conversation hard conversation well quite simply they invested into us and the idea and when it comes back down to what we were selling we were selling us they backed us Mm. they saw these two young smart driven kids and they were shocked at, at at us and we were the selling point we could have probably gone to them in reflection with any business idea and they would have given us that money because of the way that we were at 18 years old at the time um and look i think you you mentioned it down at the cafe earlier about someone telling you about failing fast in stephen bartlett's book Mm. being able to fail fast and one of my biggest mentors adam hudson talks about this concept of failing fast and it's your, your ability to identify opportunity quickly and get out of and fail fast business quickly is how good of an entrepreneur you are. How quickly you can identify if it's an opportunity or not, how quickly you can act on it. And then if it doesn't work, how quickly you can get out of it. And understand that you're removing all of the emotion from this you're not emotionally attached to the business itself, which is why a lot of people stay onto things and know that, okay, it's not the way we thought it was going to be. There's a lot more flaws than it is. I've, I'm a way better business person than I was off the back of this. If this isn't going to work, I'm out and I'm not staying around. And having that really big vision and going, I'm due for greatness and I'm not hanging around something that's mediocre and I'm not going to just hang in because my ego is telling me that I, I, I've tied my name to this. I've let everyone know about this. I'm scared of dropping off because I don't want people to think of me differently. If you remove all of that and go, this time in business is tough. Do I see light at the end of the tunnel with this business? Do I see the opportunity in this business? And if I do, do I see myself being a part of it on the other side? And if any of those answers are no, pack up shop take your lessons, write those things down on a book and move on to something greater. Mm, that ego one is a hard hurdle for a lot of people. But it, for me, there's something that comes straight to mind as you're speaking about this. And I love this. This is great. For me, this yeah. is really fascinating because I didn't know any of this about you. Exactly. So I, yeah. I love that we're learning this. But one thing that you mentioned earlier is the power of naivety and how if you shift your perspective, that can be such a positive. Mm. And I completely agree with that because... There was so much naivety when I started this thing. There's been so much naivety when I've thrown myself into spaces early on and just had blind self-belief and eventually things have worked out to be better than they were when I began. Mm. The one thing that I've noticed though in myself 
is very recently over the course of the last say year to six months that naivety has switched a little bit mm. and it's become now self-awareness and i think to take things to the next stage you have to almost or at least for me switch from being blissfully ignorant or a little bit naive into ultimately self-aware enough to know what needs to change what needs to evolve what needs to be left behind and, and where I want to move forward. Do mm. you feel like at this point there was a switch for you where you were able to sit back, look at the big picture from a wider perspective and go, Man, this isn't the chariot that we drive forward on? Mm. Yeah, I think it's just being the real deal, no bullshit and being in, in tune with reality and what it is. The naivety is certainly not there anymore in certain aspects of my life. And perhaps that's why I'm not going in these rooms with these people anymore. But I think it's more about the progression of life because you've got to, and, and, and the business arena as well, is you've got to go through phases of your life. And sometimes you outgrow certain phases, which is great because that allows you to go to the next phase of your life. And right now, it's a completely different phase of my life. It's like there's a whole new level of confidence with my capability in business and my ability to teach business and know business and identify business. It's a lot more advanced than it was. And to be able to recognize that and go, no, I'm not going to do things that I was playing back then. I want to do things that people above me are playing and to be able to put myself in the shoes of people that are where I want to get to as opposed to where I was is the way that I can move forward and grow, keep continuing to grow. And through that progression will come the happiness and the enjoyment of the process. And I think for me, business is a vehicle for me to live the life I want, to support all the family and the friends and my future family and the life that I want to live. And that vehicle I'm not attached to. And so if that, sorry, the, the business specifically, I'm not attached to. So if something doesn't work, even if my current one's no good and I don't, it's not where I need it to be and it's not where I want it to be and it's not something I want to be a part of, I'm not going to hang on and keep banging my head against the wall. Mm. I'm going to get out. And the true business people that I look up to, they see people that have failed multiple times and they go, I would rather do business with that person because he's learned a lot more. The people that have lost more money. It's funny. I went to a, a wealth builders event. It was a massive seminar that I invested into. It was a two day event. It's about four grand um, business event that I um, invested into with one of my biggest mentors, Adam. And one of the survey questions pre event was asking the guests, uh, the, the attendees of the event, how much money they've lost and it was a question i was like that's interesting they're asking how much money they've lost now you'd think if you've lost more money you'd be a little bit scared of answering that and being like oh i'm gonna tick the box of a million plus or 100 plus or whatever and when we got to the event he pulled up the survey response and he pointed to the ones that had lost the most amount of money and he's like you guys are the people I'd go into business with first in this room. He's like, the more money you've lost, the better. Because the more risk you've, uh, you've taken on board, the more lessons you've probably learned. And um, those are the people that you're probably way more advanced in business. 
And I, it's a completely different mindset switch. So you go, okay, the money I'm losing, as long as I'm not just blowing it willy-nilly, I'm just giving things a crack. And then being able to fail, lose that money, and then try and try again and probably lose again, mm. your ability to keep going and have that underlying reason as to why you keep going is what's going to set you apart from everyone else. Because you'll find people that will just get to that, uh, that conscious incompetence phase where they're just incompetent at that thing and they don't know how to push forward and push through. And when you can push through that phase is when you'll really set yourself apart from everyone else. There's a quote that I love from Tim Grover, Michael Jordan's trainer. Interested people watch obsessed people change the world. I had the privilege of chatting to Jade Spooner, who was one of the um, co-founders of Equolution. She sold that business and done really well off the back of it. And I found Jade to be a very influential person in the business space, but someone who I learned a lot from in my episode with her. I mentioned that quote to her and I asked her, what was the obsession that for her allowed her to change the space that she was in? And she identified that it was more so the passion for business itself rather than the individual business that she was operating in, rather than that industry in particular. What would it be for you personally? Because I hear two pieces to your story. I hear this obsession with business, but also this obsession with what business can do for you, like mm. that, that picture of the family who's provided for, you know, who are happy, who have food on the table, smiles on their faces, a roof above their head. Is it a bit of both or is one of them leading the way? It's certainly a bit of both and business isn't obviously my, my whole, like my whole life and identity. That's for sure. Like, obviously I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of the other stuff I'm doing with the social media and, and everything else. But I think for me, the game and the pursuit of the business is something that I love and that creative aspect, the early on days, the, you know, those, the, the, the things, the lessons that you learn in business are very transferable to a lot of other things in your life. And when you look at, say, all the characteristics that you want to build to become a man that people gravitate towards, to become a man that your dream girl is attracted to, when you look at all those traits that everyone are attracted to, if you do the hard yards in business, you're going to develop a lot of those traits and you're going to onboard a lot of those things. So when I look at character building, I think business is a massive factor for that too. And I look at the progression I have in business and the output that I'm giving into business and I look at the person I'm becoming off the back of it as, back of it as well and that's really inspiring to keep going as well. But I think, yeah, a combination of both. The... The, it, using it as a vehicle to achieve the life I want to live, to look after all the people around me. But the pursuit of it is where the happiness lies. And I don't think I'll ever be able to just switch off. But the business model will change. The businesses will change in my life. But I do genuinely think that pursuit of growing something from the ground up is something that I do love. And I think getting progression in that thing is a massive contributor to actually enjoying it as well. Because if you're banging your head against the wall nonstop, it can be very hard to be happy and enjoy that thing. 
but yeah, I think I think it's it's the pursuit of it and the the thing that it will stem from me, a mixture of both. So we were speaking about this at coffee and it feels like a natural transition from, you know, what you've just left off on is this concept for me that come to light on a solo trip last year to the US where I sat myself down on a particularly lonely morning and asked myself the question in my journal, you know, what are the pillars of my life that allow me to feel fulfilled, to feel happy, to feel as though I'm striving towards something that is meaningful. And for me, I identified four of those. It was my health, meaningful work, my people, and my environment. For you, what would those pillars be? And maybe give them a title, because I get a sense that business is a part of it, but maybe that's not how you define that pillar of your life. Hmm. I don't think business is a, is a part of it. Um, it's a meaningful work, for sure. I have a concept and shout out to Sam again is, uh, with with these concepts. We, we spent a lot of time together. But anyway, <laughs> the the concept's HTR and it's health, time and relationships. Now, I like that. if we flip it on its head and start from the R, relationships are at the epicenter of, they're at the core of of our happiness i believe i think i really need to have good quality relationships both romantic and platonic in my life to be happy i need a bit someone to share those moments with i think that's my priority in life but if you strip that back if you don't have any time to spend on those relationships the t in hdr you're not going to be able to cherish and build those relationships because you don't have any time to spend on the relationships. Now, if you take it that next step further, if it's not healthy time, if you're not healthy mentally and physically, when you have that free time, you're not going to be able to build those relationships in a healthy way mm -hmm. because you're not even healthy yourself. And so for me, I look at it and go, relationships are there but I need to have time. How do I free up the time? Business. Business is going to allow me to create a life that I want to live and put me in a position where I can do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, wherever I want. And so that's the vehicle to unlock that time. And so for me, I think my core three, three things, and this is in my purpose statement as well, is, is like, is, is, is health is my is massive priority for me health teaching and relationships are probably my top three and teaching is just purposeful work meaningful work and when i film these videos and when i eventually speak on stages and when i write a book and when i just speak to people like this and hopefully in a longer form can educate and inspire people that are listening to this that's my shit when I learn business and when I succeed in business and I feel credible to talk about business, I love business. I love the pursuit of business. I love learning about business, which then in turn allows me to be educated in business so then I can teach business. And so I think the top three are relationships, relationships, teaching and, and health. And within those, there's a lot of other areas that I'm passionate about. I don't love just learning everything. 
but I love learning things about relationships. I love learning things about health and I love learning, learning things about self-improvement and business. Those are my three areas that I listen to. But if you put me in a, a class to learn about cooking or about history, I don't really care. So if you labeled me and said, I'm, I love teaching, it's not that broad. It's like I love teaching a specific thing. Mm. And so it's business. It's like that's maybe it's more broad, but it's actually the pursuit of entrepreneurship, the creativity aspect of it. There's a difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. It's like the, the creativity aspect, the taking risk, the identifying opportunity, like all those things I'm passionate about. But I think, yeah, as I said, those would be my, my top three. But the framework of HTR, I think, is a massive thing I live by and to remind myself that if I'm not healthy, everything else is tarnished. And on top of that, if I'm not full with myself, being full mentally, physically, and I feel full with me and everyone else is a bonus and everything else is a bonus, everything else could crumble down. And then within that, I need to create business to then free up my time so that I can work on meaningful relationships as my key contributing factor to emotional well-being and happiness. I love everything you're saying here. It resonates with me highly. And I want to dive into the teaching side of things in just a minute. But there's something that has come to the front of my brain and something that I remember hearing maybe a few months ago on Chris Will's pod, I can't remember the guest he was discussing this with. It may have been Alex Hormozy. Mm, probably was. But it didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me. And I'm not sure whether it didn't sit well with me from a perspective of my own naivety doesn't want to believe this or that I, I want to believe that I can do things differently. But there was a statement that you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you mm. want or at least all at once. And that didn't really sit well with me because as someone who loves my partner dearly, loves my people dearly, loves working at my health and progressing in my health, whether that be, you know, getting in the gym or running and, you know, just mentally feeling good, like it's really important to me. But I also love what I do when I'm behind a mic or when I'm on stage. And, you know, that's not always paying the bills. So sometimes, you know, a couple of days a week, I work as an event laborer. So there's so many areas of my life in which I'm giving time to. And I love the idea that I can balance it all. And if I break down every one of those areas of my life, when it comes to my health, then I push hard. I train six to seven days a week. But fuck, I love a croissant or a block of chalky too. So there is such a, an inbuilt desire in me to achieve balance in areas of my life. I think it's for me, how I'm wired and what makes me really happy. But I know that for a lot of people, they don't believe that they can have the rela relationship alongside the thriving business. They don't believe that they can go and progress in their health whilst being a business owner, entrepreneur, you know, operator in which they're making big money. There seems to be maybe a limiting belief, but maybe there's some truth to it, depending on what you want to achieve and what success you want to have how does the concept of balance sit with you it's an interesting concept balance i like to look at it i like to have balance on a macro scale but no balance on a micro scale what i mean by that is you can't go all in on everything i don't care what you say you can't go all in on everything 
But if we talk about three pillars of health, being health and fitness, and then we talk about career, business, career, and then relationships as three pillars, I would say that they're the three main pillars that you're spending the majority of your time doing, or they're the three main things that you really want to do. You want to master your career, your health, and your relationships. You can't go all in on all three of those at once. So the best way to do it is to go all in on one of them, not half-ass all three of them. Go all in on one of them and keep the other two at a maintenance at all cost. Never let them drop below maintenance. So you're going in all in on business and you're trying to give it everything. Make sure you keep your health at a maintenance, steady where it is. Make sure you keep your relationships at a steady. But recognize that I have to sacrifice something in order to achieve something else. And I think you can have them all at once, but not in a growth phase, not in a build phase. When you're building something up, you need to focus on it. Mm. So you, once you build this business up to a really high level and you find a partner, maybe the business can go on the back burner just a little bit, keep it at a maintenance, keep it at a good level. Maybe you've delegated the things required to keep growing the business so you're not fully all in on this thing. So then you can work on that relationship. And then once you can build the relationship up, then you've all of a sudden got both of them at a good level. That's great. Maybe you've built this relationship at a really high level and that's been a priority as opposed to your career. And then you decide, okay, it's time. I need to go all in. But you've actually built this thing up to a really good level so it allows you to do that a bit more. Mm. But you can't go in a growth phase of all three of those main pillars of your life at once. And so, but, and just to finish that, when I, at the very first thing I said, macro balance, micro imbalance. If you can have it at a macro scale, so meaning across the year, I'm balanced. But for the next 90 days, I'm going all in on my business. You're going to get the most amount of growth. And for me personally, that's where I get the most amount of growth. When I go all in on something, not let it slide, not do that one massive send on a weekend and drink heaps and be hung over because that's actually going to affect me. It's taken me three weeks of no drinking to feel really optimal. Now that's just making me take a step back. I'm going to go all in for two months or three months or whatever. And then after that, hopefully I'm at a level where I feel like I deserve to have a couple of nights out and then mm. I might do that. So it's macro balance, but not micro. I like what you're saying here because there's a concept that comes to mind. I'm going to give a shout out to brother-in-law, Cal, who shared a concept with me um, maybe a couple of months ago now, a year ago, that I found to be very interesting. He's, he loves his jujitsu and dedicated a lot of time to it. And he spoke to me, though, about how in reflection he would spend and had spent like a couple of years on end just like training consistently and heavily without any form of off-season. And he said, you know, you look at the best athletes and they all have an off-season. They all have a time to switch off, to step back, to reflect, to decide, you know, what does the next year look like or at least what do I want it to look like and where am I going to dedicate my time and energy? And that off-season phase is the time to you know, dive back into relationships, to put the feet up a little bit, to enjoy some of the spoils, to actually smell the roses. And I really like how that relates to life and, and exactly what you mentioned there, the difference mm. between macro and micro. 
And that's something that I'm looking at now as someone who the last couple of years has done the marathons and pushed my body to the brink with the bleeding lungs and, and often found myself pretty spent at the back end of a push. I found myself now in a position where I was almost keeping that up because I felt like I had to. Mm. I almost felt like progression was the only way that I could, you know, invest time in my health. Like it had to be like, well, what's the next crazy thing I'm going to do? And I'm now at a, at a point in time in which I'm running far less than I've run at any stage this year. Like I'm doing maybe 25 Ks a week, some weeks 15, some weeks 30. But at the start of the year, I was running like 70 to 90 K a week. But I just found myself always a little bit mentally flat. Like I'd sit behind the mic or I'd go into something in my business and I'm trying to give it energy and progress it. And I felt myself lacking mm. and I was like, hold on, I need to taper off here, have a little bit of a, an off season where I maintain and look after my health. And it's a part of my everyday because I know that without that, I have nothing. But it's time to like really focus in on my business and my relationship. And so for me, I feel like I can, you know, put some focus on two things at once and then one of them needs to stay at bay. But it's hard to, mm. it's hard to settle with that sometimes because we want it all. But it's a very interesting concept. And I love everything you're saying mm. in that space. Let's talk about the teaching. You know, you very humbly alluded to the fact that you love to teach and you love to share wisdom, philosophy, ideas with people that you believe will be valuable and helpful for them. I say very humble because, mate, you've amassed a following online. Not that the metric of a following is what defines success in any space, but there's over half a million people who are following what you do. And... You know, I've, I've dived into the comment sections of a lot of the videos you're posting because I've found them to be very relatable to me and I wanted to, to have a look at what other people are saying. I mean, there's a lot of positivity there. You've created this community of, of positive energy of people who want to learn, who want to develop. And I love that. I think it's, it's a really special place when you see a community that's invested in development and growth. You know, what does it feel like to know that so many people are, are hanging on every word that you say? I know that for them, they obviously feel a lot of value. And I'm sure there's a few people who are hanging around because you're a handsome cat with those baby blues, mate. <laughs> it's um, there'd be plenty of people who are hanging around. A few comments that. in there about the eyes, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, the eyes. Because um, they, they fucking stare through you, mate, let me yeah. tell you. But for you, like, what does it feel like to know that you've been able to provide something very valuable for those people? Mm. You get to a point with the followers where it just becomes a number. Mm. And it doesn't hold as much value. And so you have to measure measure success of impact mm. uh, and you have to because it becomes numb. I remember when I hit 100,000 followers on Instagram, I'm about to hit 200, which is exciting. But um, when I hit 100,000 followers on Instagram, I was in Melbourne and we we're going to the, the MCG for a footy game. And it literally ticked over 100,000 just at, before I walked in the stadium, which is weird coincidence. But I walk in the stadium and I look up and I go, I could fill this whole stadium with my followers. 100,000 people is what MCG holds. One of the biggest stadiums in the world. I was like, I could fit, fill this whole stadium. When you conceptualize that in real life, you go, holy... That is insane. But when you look at it as a number, it says three numbers and a K next to it. Mm. 
It says 100K. Cool. Like it's not, yeah. but when you think about the number, it's, it's, it's nothing. But when you see it in real life and how many people that actually is, it's a lot. And then you look at the TikToks on five, over half a mil and you go, this is, this is a lot of people. I'm making, I'm fortunate enough to be able to make an impact and move someone in a, in a certain way all around the world mm. across, across millions of people, millions of views. It's, it's, it's so super humbling. But the most insane feelings are when I get to meet someone in real life and someone comes up and says hello, gives me a big hug and just says thank you for being you. When you get those little moments, mm. um, you you do so coach someone on a, on a on a deeper level one on one, and they say something so amazing to you, like you've changed their life. You receive these testimonials by people that are saying, "I was lost, and you have literally." I, I got this message the other day. I wish if, if I had it saved, I'd be I'd pull it up and read it right now, but they say the most amazing things and you get these things like you're the missing piece, like the w fact that you've fallen into my life, you're the missing piece to me being unstoppable and I can't thank you enough. When you hear these little messages, when you see people in real life, when you get these hugs from people and you can see that they mean it, when you run a, host a run club every week and there's people that are driving 90 minutes or catching a bus two hours from out west just to come see you and take a photo and give you a hug and go, you don't understand the impact you're making. Those are the moments that feel really real and feel really mm. special. And so for me, I think those little things remind me of why I'm doing it and it keeps me going. And when you can inspire, when you can be the person that inspires people, that is the most inspiring thing you can possibly have. You have an endless flow of inspiration coming into your life because they're, they're coming to you saying you've inspired them. It reminds you to keep going, keep doing what you're doing because it's clearly making it, moving mountains and making a good impact on people's life. There's countless comments on these videos in which people say, and this is a big statement, that you saved my life, mm. which alludes oh. to the fact that you know maybe they were, they were mentally not in a good place. Maybe they felt like their life was slipping away from them. And something that you've shared has done something to to change the trajectory of their life mm. do you feel a weight of responsibility with that i don't feel a weight of responsibility um i don't want to be responsible for i i don't want to i don't feel like there's a weight of responsibility but what it does do is it gives me this feel of, of gratitude and know that I'm doing the right thing because I don't want to be responsible for something because that means it ties me down to that thing hmm. and it gives me this feeling that I need to do this and I don't want that hmm. I don't want to carry that I think I'll that'll strip away my creativity that'll strip away my true thoughts that'll strip away my authentic self that touches these people in the first place so I don't want to tie any responsibility to that. What I want to do is experience life, push my boundaries, learn in these areas that I focus on and that I really want to that thrive in, in relationships and business and wealth creation and health. Learn about this, be able to teach the lessons 
and articulate tough concepts in a really easily digestible and way that people can feel it. And I want to be able to just keep doing that. And through my life lessons is how I allow to do that. Because for me, if something changes in my life and I feel like I've got a different calling that I need to be teaching a different thing, I don't want to be tied to a past thing of me. I want to make sure that people are following me and they value the things that I'm saying in many areas of my life. And by doing so, I'm taking them on this journey with me. And when I learn new things and I go through different things in my life, the content will probably change based on what I'm going through in my life. And that's where the relationship content started in the first place, going through a breakup. And it's like the 200 videos I posted before I didn't gain 200 followers, it was about business. And then you, you see the, the pivot and the change. So yeah, I would say I just need to make sure that I'm being my true authentic self. I'm constantly learning and leveling up myself so then I can share that wisdom and hopefully change thousands and millions of people's lives. That was beautifully answered, man. Beautifully answered. I want to dive into a little final piece of the pod that I've brought back to life. We've brought it back from the grave. It was a part of the podcast for a long time. Mm. It's now a part of the podcast again. It's called Five Questions, Five Answers. Very go. creative name, I know. However, they've got to be relatively rapid fire, or as I like to say, moderately rapid. <laughs> so we, yeah, we still like some depth, you know? You know? Yeah. We don't want one-word answers. I love a little bit of depth, so let's, so let's, let's have it. Let's do I it. I feel like, is this coming to an end already? This is going really quick. Well, I feel <laughs> like that there's some, you know, we're, we've been talking for an hour. Yeah, wow. Which flies. Time flies um, yeah. But also that there's some questions here that I feel from your perspective um, you could answer with some depth. Sweet. So cool. uh, I know we've probably got more in us. Amazing. Is there a personal challenge you wish you'd addressed earlier in your life? Mm. Now, this could be a number of things. This could be something in your life that you pushed below the surface and tried to ignore. It could be the conversation you didn't have with someone that needed to hear those words from you. It could be a number of things. Mm. Yeah, the, the thing I think it is 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 being open and honest with the closest people in my life. I wish I did that sooner because what you'll find is a lot of the time they need to hear, hear that as well. And it's funny, I went on a, there was a period in my life early this year, January, and I was journaling a lot. I was going, it was fresh in this like, in this relationship that I had. And then I also was feeling a little bit lost with career. We're working on this new business. And what I found myself doing, the three main people in my life at the time, I was holding back from saying certain things and I was bottling them up. And I had all these scenarios playing in my head and all these little things that I thought that I wanted to say to them I kept bottling up and these little things kept compounding and compounding and compounding. And then I went to this men's health retreat thing um, called Activated Man and uh, it was crazy. We did this breathwork exercise there, this holotropic breathwork. And it's basically, for, the, for those of you that don't know, have you heard of holotropic breathwork before? No, I haven't. It's basically this in really intense breathwork activity that went for about an hour and it's really hectic breathing where you're like, you're like going like 
and you're doing this breath and you it's super intense and you basically over oxidize your body you like seize up your hands seize up and you have this like natural psychedelic experience and fully trip out like you're on some sort of psychedelic Mm. and during that period that hour of time that i that i did that all these conversations i was putting off i was having and it felt real and they were all ending really positively and i had these conversations in this experience and then after it i just felt called to have the conversations and i started having these conversations the girl I was speaking to and my ex-girlfriend was I had these conversations and all these things I was worried about the way she was thinking she felt that way too and all this amazingness happened from that and then my best friend Sam those things I was holding back and not being as vulnerable and open even with the relationship with this girl I wasn't telling my close friends how I felt about her and I was in denial and I was saying that no we're just friends and there was things I was holding back which was creating this little divide in our relationship. And I wish that all of those things I just said sooner. And now there's a complete switch in my life where I'm very open and honest and very direct. And I say things how they are and it's a blessing and a curse in the sense that I don't have a very big filter. And I have this absurdly high standard in my life where I I set this standard and I don't want to fall below it. So when my friends are, or people around me are not meeting that standard, I'm not going to yes-man them and I say it how it is. And sometimes it can be a little bit harsh on them and they can f- feel a bit like, oh, that was a bit of a, a dig. But I'm like, I just, the tide's rising and I want you to keep rising with this, with this tide. Mm. And I want you to level up as we all are going to level up. And so I say it how it is, but I wish I did that sooner. I had a filter that I would just hold off and restrain from saying things. Yeah, I think that would be a, a response that a lot of people resonate with. That sometimes I think it's the fear of loss, the fear of if you're honest what will you lose in the process? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, as you said, it holds you back. It creates your true authentic self as well though. And it's very hard to take someone serious that doesn't have any polarity in their message. Mm. If they're literally just a carbon copy of someone else or someone else's talks and they have nothing that creates this little bit of conflict with someone, I find it's very hard to take people seriously. I find it's very hard to see that they're being authentic. If they have the same beliefs, everything's the same and you just say yes, you're not authentic. You really aren't. If you look at all the greats in the world, they don't just learn from someone and form, formulate their, their same view as them. Mm. The greats in the world have a uniqueness about them. There's something about them that's unique. And that is what makes them great. It's what makes them engaging. It's what makes people gravitate towards them. There's a little bit of polarity in their message. And I think that's really important. So for me, not holding back and being my true authentic self, I think would have allowed me to propel even further forward at a younger, even earlier, if I had done that. This isn't a part of my five questions, but I'm going to add it because I think it's very relevant. I once heard Ed Milet say that there's a difference between a great man and a good man. Mm. 
And he's speaking to the fact that a lot of people who achieve greatness often have something lacking in their life. Like I think of, when I say the word greatness, I think of Michael Jordan, mm. you know, someone who is undeniably great in his field, who from what I could see just has a whole lot of pain in the relationship side of his life. You know, hasn't built the best relationships with his children, has struggled to have that sense of connection to people outside of anyone who was going to help him on his trajectory of achieving his dream. When you speak about being radically honest and being radically authentic, do you find it hard to, and maybe it's not even a focus for you at the moment, but do you find it hard to balance that radical honesty with care? Mm. The honesty comes with care. Okay. It's all care. Mm. I'm not saying it to bring them down. I'm saying it to bring them up. Yeah. And when people that are close in my life see this honesty, I like to think that they know I'm caring about them mm. because I know, I think what I've learned over this past year and one of my biggest lessons is to be really critical with the people I have around me. And that whole saying around, if you're in a room with five dickheads, you're the sixth. And it's so true. So being able to audit my circle and have a really, really good group of people around me romantically and platonically is so important and for me it's like i'm on this journey that i'm trying to achieve my definition of greatness and i want you guys to all come on that journey with me and i'd like to think that you guys are all inspiring me too to better myself or else you're the wrong people in my life you need to be inspiring me i don't want to feel drained when i leave you so if that's the case, I want you to pull me up when I'm lacking and, and not doing my full potential and I'm equally going to pull you up. And with that honesty, it's care. I want you to grow as a mm. person. I want to see you thrive. And I'm never going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you if your standard could be better. I love that. I think what you said there about creating the, the context and having the early conversation of I care about you, I love you, I want you to be a part of my life and vice versa. Let's be honest with each other is a great place to start. Like I've found for me in particular, something I've talked about over a few stages of the last year, one of the biggest challenges for me over the course of this year in particular has been the more time poor I've become, the less time I have for some of my friends. And that's not because I don't love them. It's not because I don't care about them. It's because there's a few things in my life at the moment that if I'm not actively putting time into that area, like I'm going to suffer big time. Mm. And I felt that financially. It's been an incredibly challenging year really into the last month or two in which I found I was putting way too much time into catching up with, for coffees and, you know, going hanging out with people. And then I'd come back and be like, I'm so stressed about mm. my business and my finances because I'm not locked in enough. Yeah. And for me, it was really hard to say no, like learning to say yeah. no to the I agree. the catch-ups, the coffees, the times with mates was such a challenge, not because I didn't think that they would be accepting of it, but I just want them to feel loved. I want them yeah. to feel like I care. And so I had to then approach that honest, hard conversation from a place of, here's the context. I'm busier than ever. And there's some real challenges that I need to tackle to come through the other side of them at the moment. Yeah. I love you. I care about you. But unfortunately, over the next month, I'm going to be a little bit busier and more time poor than I have been. 
Like, I hope I you don't take that to heart. I think it's recognizing that I don't like the concept of being time poor, mm. but more so my priorities are different right now. That's what it is because yeah. we all have the same 24 hours in the day. And as soon as you say you're time poor, you're not taking ownership of your time. Mm. You're saying it's being stripped away from you. I like that. And, and it's not time poor. It's priorities are changed. Mm. You're in a phase of your life where you want to be somewhere else that you're not yet. And if I'm doing things that are taking me not one step closer to the goal, I'm getting one day older, but not one step closer to those goals that I have and want in my life. Mm. So for me to do that, I need to sacrifice a bit of this to do this. And in return, I'm delaying the short-term gratification in favor of something greater, which all of you guys around me, that if you're true friends and you're going to stick by me, are going to be thanking me for because our tide's rising. And recognizing that the right people will see that and cheer you on that you're giving it a crack and you're going all in. And the, right, the wrong people will look at that and be selfish and think, oh, he doesn't have any time for me anymore. He goes, no, he's setting up his life. He's young. He's driven. He's not in a place where he wants to be yet. And to actually achieve that life that he's striving to achieve and in the process building an amazing character, he needs to sacrifice a bit of time with me. And I recognize that. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said, man. And for me, that priority at the moment is to create a life in which in the next couple of years, Sophie and I get to bring kids into the world. Like mm, I can't wait for exciting. that. Exciting. You know, and I want my kids to go, dad's got all the time in the world for us. Uh -huh. But also when dad goes to work, dad helps people. Yeah. And for me, it's like, that's that vision. That's yeah. what I'm trying to create. So it's all steam ahead, brother. Yeah. I think I, um, part of the, one of the processes I take my coaching clients through is, is a purpose process. It's, it's, I'm super beyond, proud of that process um but it really unpacks the things that make you happy and the things that make you tick and if you can form your later life around that you're going to live a really fulfilling life and um what's really amazing is at the end of it it creates like a purpose summary and you write this thing and you basically chuck all of your answers into a blender and pop out this statement mm. and the goal for the statement is you read it and get goosebumps so whenever you're getting tough going through tough times you read that thing and it reminds you why you're doing it and um i wish i had it at disposal i get everyone to print it out at their thing and to read mm. it out but it's so like for me that statement gives me goosebumps and goes wow like that's ha gonna happen and that's amazing and yeah ties in really well with that what we we're just talking Purpose about feels progress brother mm -hmm. number two how do you personally define success hmm I think success for me is, well, success is getting what you want. Tony Robbins says an amazing quote. He says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Success is getting what you want. Fulfillment is doing what you're made for. And success is getting what you want. That's what it is. But when you toy around with like what that looks like for me, because everyone has their own things that they want in their life, there's a period, there's a, there's a thing in my life that I want and I want an amazing, beautiful family, which is in the future. And equally, I want to be able to look after my current family, all the stresses that my family currently have, I don't want them to have anymore. They've brought me up, 
I'm very grateful for them. They're the most amazing people. They don't deserve the stress anymore. Mm. And they've helped shape me. So I want to, I feel I owe it to them to give them the life they've always dreamed of, of having. So for me, when I can sit back and do that for them, take them out of work, get them the houses they want, get my daddy's dream red sports car, like when I can do that, that's one thing. But the second thing is, is I want to have a beautiful family. So to do that, I need to have a beautiful wife. I need to have a beautiful partner. That's going to be the mother to my kids. Mm. And so if I want to attract my dream wife for my ki- to be my, the best mom for my kids and someone that I'm attracted to and the characteristics that that woman will have, I need to do some work on me. Because right now I'm not attracting that person. And so I know that the more I level up me, I'm not only going to set up my life and set up my family's life and my future family's life. By doing so, I'm going to attract a higher caliber of woman that's going to be attracted to me in which I'm going to be able to spread this family on and this family dynasty that we can create and these amazing children that we can bring up and teach however we want and try and allow these children to blossom in the best way possible all starts with leveling up me. So my level of success in a higher macro picture is that. But I know that that can get a bit overwhelming. So if I just look in the next 90 days, play matches, win matches, play matches, win matches, focus on getting one step closer to that goal, but only looking in that short-term vision, knowing that I'm going to get one step closer if I do all of these steps, I know that amazing success will come. But I think rewarding myself on, on the output and the progress and the leveling up in my life is the way I define success right now. A couple of the girls would have got excited listening to that one, let me tell you, brother. Yeah. If you read the purpose statement, that, that'll probably get the girls excited too. Okay, I love it. <laughs> um, number three, what's the greatest lesson that failure has afforded you? Has afforded me? That's an interesting question. I think what failure does is it gives polarity to the great time. Failure allows you to appreciate the good because when you go through failures and really hard times, when you achieve a great time, it makes it amazing because there's no great without bad. There's no good without bad. It's a polarity, yin and yang. It's a pendulum swing. It's got to go both ways. The lower the lows, the higher the highs. So if you don't experience any failure or any uncertainty, then the success is not the same feeling. It's not the great feeling that you have. It's just normal. So without the bad, without the failure, you don't get the great. And so life is about experiencing all of it. Take a really extremely wealthy family living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, for example, And the way that they've chose to parent is give their kids absolutely everything for their whole life. They never have to work for anything. They never have to cook. They never have to bear any responsibility. They get given a $200,000 Merc to drive on their peas. When you get in that car with them, do they, or you say, nice car. What do they say? Oh yeah, it's all right. Because they have nothing to compare it to. They don't have the Toyota Prius that they've driven before it 
to hop in that car and put their hand on the steering wheel and go, this is amazing because it's normal to them. So what failure teaches me is I'm going through this failure and that's going to make the great even better. It's going to make the good great. It's going to make the great amazing. It's going to make the highs extremely high. And that is what failure teaches me. I love that. My fourth question for you is if you're writing a book about your life, what chapter in particular changed the trajectory and what would you title that chapter? Oh, there's a few that come to mind, but the chapter, shit, this is hectic. Um, so the chapter that, that would have quite literally changed my life, it would be this year and it would be the first, but probably the, the whole, literally the whole last 11 months of this year. And as Hormozy says, the lonely chapter. And it would be called the lonely chapter. And the lonely chapter for me is when you don't feel like anyone understands you. It's not loneliness in the sense that you don't have enough people around you. Not loneliness in the sense that you don't, you're not getting enough attention. It's loneliness in the sense that no one understands you. You have no one to relate to. You have no one that you can call that will honestly just be able to sit there and say, look, I get it. I know the feeling. And that like is the type of loneliness that I'm talking about. And this year has been a massive growth year for me. But I think when going through challenges in business, going through financial struggles, investing all this money into business, quitting the job and just going all in on me and having your back against the wall and not knowing how rent is paid on some weeks to overcoming a heartbreak to gaining all of this followers and having the most amount of tension you've ever felt in your life yet you feel the most lonely you've ever been mm. and having to deal with that polarity and that mask that you're wearing it's been the the year of my life that has calloused my mind the most out of every year possible and it's helped me become really in tune with me and be really self-aware and really grow as a person understanding people understanding what i really want understanding the motives and the things that drive me and the only reason all of those things have come out from that is by going through those tough times and in the moment they suck but they are what helped shape me into the man that i am gonna sit back and be proud of it sounds to me as though uncomfortably feeling lonely has turned to comfort in solitude mm. i think the com being comfortable being alone is something that i learned and got comfortable with in 2021 when we went into another lockdown and my roommate sam had moved and i was with another guy kel and They'd moved away and I was in Sydney and I had bond, I'd met all my friends through partying. And what I realized by doing so, you don't actually have friends because the only thing you relate on is partying and that shit sucks. And so 
we went into lockdown, I was living alone, working from home, and I had no one near me. I had no one to hang out with, no nothing. And that period of loneliness was like proper loneliness. I couldn't walk. I couldn't go for a walk without just going through my contacts and trying to call someone. I couldn't be alone. And through that made me feel really comfortable being alone. And now I absolutely love being alone and reflecting by myself. And I would prefer to be by myself than with people that are draining my energy from me. And that's why I'm being really critical with the people I hang around and making sure that I feel energized off the back of hanging out with you. I don't feel drained because if I do, I would rather just be alone. Mm, it's um did you hear george mack and chris will's podcast episode where they spoke about um what would they call them couch friends or treadmill friends oh no i haven't heard that a couch friend is a friend that you leave that interaction and you want to lie on the couch Mm. because you feel drained you feel like you need to recharge a treadmill friend is the conversation you leave and you're just full of energy full of life i love that time to get on the treadmill i love that that's time to actually, use this energy for good that's a great concept i it's actually a great I'm concept i'm going to use that yeah, that's yeah like, i'll send you that episode it was a, a belter yeah that's that's great i mean and chris williamson is the the best in the world at at being able to recite things that he learns and is he not? and I look at him with a lot of, I get a lot of inspiration from that, that man. And I think he, he's come a long way in terms of his ability. Um, and yeah, he's, he's amazing. Talking encyclopedia, that bloke. He literally is. Mate, my last question to you is a, is a newer question. I've not asked this of a guest before. I've asked things similar to that of it. But you know, the name of this show is quite a lot to talk about. Because for me, there's a lot of things I'm interested in. I want to have a lot of conversations so I can learn a lot of things from a lot of different people. I wonder, what is the one thing that you want people to start talking about in their communities, in their circles? What's the one thing you'd encourage them to open a conversation about? Mm. I think it's being really careful with who you're hanging out with. I don't think it's more of a conversation to open up about. I think the conversation people need to have with themselves is the most important thing because what starts to happen when you get around people that inspire you, things start to level up. Your life starts to change dramatically and you don't know that the people you're with are bad until you experience someone that's better and more aligned and more valuable to you. So if you don't audit your circle and recognize that these people are actually not leveling you up, you're not going to level up because you, it's like have a really hard think about who you hang around with and who you spend time with. And you've got to be cutthroat and, and critical like with your circle and be around. So that's what I would say for everyone to ask themselves and recognize that it's okay to move on. It's not like you're better than them. You're just on a different path. And it's really important to recognize that when you're, when you're hanging out with people a lot. And even recently I've got hanging out with some new friends that are really inspiring the health aspect of my life. They are better in terms of, they're, they're better than me in their health and fitness aspect of their life and it motivates me to level up and I didn't have that before 
and now I have it, I go, holy shit, I need to hang out with people like that. In business, okay, I don't want to be the best in the room. Who can I hang out with and meet with that are going to be way high level thinkies, thinkers than me? So I think that's the question to ask yourself. But I also think when we, you ask, like, what should you be sharing to your community? I think what's really important to spread awareness on is like what's the best way to put this like i think the judgment that people have on others and the people talking aspect of relationships is extremely negative and it's not only extremely negative for the people that like that you're around when you shit talk someone else that affects you more than you know because you shit talk behind someone's back when you leave you're worried about your friends telling them and it's it's creating this fog in your mind by shit talking so you feel good about it in the moment by pushing someone down which is toxic but equally it's holding you back by doing so as well i think something that's really important with your circle and with your friends is to be able to remove all of that shit talk like, I don't care. Like, honestly, I don't care that people say, oh, it's fine to talk shit. You have to have a laugh and talk shit. There's other things to bond on. There's other things to cherish and build relationships on. You don't have to people talk. And when you do, it's not only just toxic because you were in front of them, you're perfectly fine and like lovey-dovey, but equally it's affecting you way more than you know and it's in the subconscious of you. And it really does affect you. So I'd say those would be the two things, one for yourself and one for the people around you. I think I heard Denzel Washington say, small minds discuss people, good minds discuss... um, Problems. Problems and great minds discuss ideas or something like that. But, you know, I won't try to steal Denzel's shine. (laughs) That that man is a modern philosopher. Yeah, there's so many cool little concepts like that, but it's it's so true. And you only know what circle you're in until you're comparing it to something greater. So that's when I would say if you're questioning the people that you have around you, you need to go out and seek new friends. Mm. And like when the friends below, not below you, when the friends that you may be outgrown, like get mad at you, you've got to be selfish and recognize that you are trying to achieve greatness you're on a path that not everyone relates to. I can't expect those friends to be on that same path with me. I understand. And a lot of the time it's unconditional love, just like family. When you've gone to school with someone and your best friend, you've known them since you were four, it's almost like they're family. It's unconditional love. But you're gonna be really critical, family or friends aside, if they're bringing you down or negatively impacting you, love them but not close and up and personal from afar and it's 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 critical and it's brutal sometimes when you have to distance yourself from family as well solely to focus on leveling up you so then you can help all of them out around you but sometimes you have to do it and only hang out with them in doses only speak to them in doses because they will rub off on you and family or friends aside you're the sum of the people around you and so you've got to be really critical with that Chris Griffin, this has been an eye-opening conversation. I think very thought-provoking, not just for me, but for 
I can imagine the many that have listened. I love that there's, you know, and I said this at, at the front end of the show, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't know about you that I got to learn today. Mm-hmm. So it's been a privilege to share a conversation with you, brother, to have a yarn. I'll make sure that everywhere people can find you is in the show notes mm-hmm. so they can get amongst the baby blues and those hard-hitting <laughs> quotes and, and all the great business work you're doing. Is there any final messages that you want to share with the audience, the people that are listening? I just think there's... I think it's great going on this longer form stuff and for everyone that's already made it to this level of the pod an hour and a half in, like appreciate you all for tuning in and I'm sure Brad does as well. But I think it's really important for people to get to know my story. Like when you reach out to me and you're not the only one, it's everyone because when you look at it online, you only see one little aspect of me. And that's why I said I'd love to chat a bit more about about life and, and more about me. But I just want to close us on asking you a question. I love this. I want to, I want to know for you. You asked me so many questions, but you mentioned that you this last year has been really challenging for you, and you've gone through some really hard times. Is there something that you've learned that you can tell people about those hard times, and why you, is this, is there a lesson from those challenging times that you can tell people about? Um, you asked me that question, but I'd love to know from your standpoint, if there is something that stands out. It's two things that stand out at the front of mind. The first is that, you know, the challenge I allude to, the biggest challenge of this year has been financially. So I left my career, a financially fruitful career, three and a half years ago to pursue an idea. And I've pursued that through storytelling conversation on the podcast through speaking on stage and there was maybe some naivety actually there's a lot of naivety at the start we alluded to that today as well in which I thought all of those dreams and goals and desires I had would come to fruition and be a whole lot more successful than they are right now and that's not to say that they aren't successful because I define it from an impact level the way it's been able to help people and connect with people and there's been so many successes in the last three and a half years But, you know, I I went broke, had to sell my home and, you know, went broke again from the back of the profit I made on that property. But the one thing that stood out to me is that for me, passion and purpose is incredibly important. I say that purpose fuels progress. It's for me, one of the defining statements of the last three and a half years. And I now know what path I'm on and I know I'm on it for the right reasons. And so I've had to learn that you can be super, super purposeful and passionate about something, but if there's no, let's say there's no fuel mm. coming to the fire, the fire burns out. And so the fuel I need to provide is some financial stability and some support. So that's now part of the focus. I'm not completely veering from the focus of purpose and passion. I'm on that path, but I'm providing some financial stability to that path. And that's been really important. But the biggest lesson, the most profound one has been, you know, we spoke about her this morning. I met Soph a little over a year ago and fell in love almost instantly. And I brought someone into my life at a time where there wasn't any stability from a financial standpoint. We started renting our apartment together. We threw ourselves in the deep end and through all of the challenge that we've had financially this year, Not once has she ever asked me to give up on my dream. She's done everything she can to back me. 
And so for me, I think that people talk about avoiding challenges, avoiding chaos. I love chaos and I love challenges because what they teach you, not just about yourself, but about the people around you is incredibly important. And so when I speak about the dream of bringing kids into the world with her and a life with her, a dream that we're somewhat living out now as, you know, you know, partners living together and, and doing life together, I have the supreme utmost confidence that I am with my human being because of the way that she supported me when there was no financial stability. Mm. Mm. The way that she went without to make sure that I could stay on the path that, you know, I know I'm meant to be on. So for me, that has been the biggest lesson of this year. I'm incredibly grateful for her mm. and looking forward to the time when I can put a ring on that finger wow. and, and make her my wife because she's changed my life in the best way. Wow. That's so amazing. I think there's, there's two things you spoke about, um, the financial stability and then the, the, um, obviously the relationship, which is in your life, which is so amazing. I think there's, there's two things that, that I just wanted to finish on is the, the financial stability is really important because when you're worried about bills and how you're going to pay rent on Monday, it strips away your creativity. It really does. And I've been, I, I know the feeling. And when you're worried about how you're keeping a roof over your head, you can't think about anything else. It's, it's really challenging to think about anything else. So I think getting to that stability is a really big priority in order for you to be able to creatively thrive and do all the things that you want to do in your life because it's really important. And then you spoke about the having that partner you think's the one. And I'll leave it with this thing Hormozzi said about his journey, Alex Hormozzi, and he goes, he says he was in a real tough time. He had all this debt and he was staying at his girlfriend Layla's parents' house and they were in this massive problem. They were in the shit. And Layla goes over and he was real down and Layla goes over and goes to put her arm around her, him and goes, I will sleep with you under a bridge if I have to. Mm. And he had this sense of, he had this sense of like, she's the one because no matter the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, the ugly, the pretty, she's there and she's there for him and she believes in him. And having that belief and having someone there that goes, I love you, you inspire me, you make my world a better place. It's one plus one equals three. You add, you add more to me than, than just someone else. And regardless of the hard times, you're going to be there for me. And having that certainty that they are there for you is a really unique feeling which I haven't had yet but I can see the power in that and when you can get to that stage that is when having a relationship in business is an advantage because you become a powerhouse she's elevating you to a level that you wouldn't be able to get to without her she's not bringing you down and in that instance you have a thriving relationship and hopefully you can have a thriving business as well because she's going to be able to be there for you in those tough times when you need someone to lean on. And that's a pretty powerful spot to be in. 
I remember hearing that exact story on that podcast with Chris Will and I was on the ground stretching and when I heard him say that I could almost see her face as he was describing his partner and I looked up and she was getting ready in the bathroom and it brought a tear to my eye because it meant something special so brother this has been an absolute pleasure it's been a great time. You're getting me a little bit emotional here at the end, Mate, it's great. Um, which I love. I love. But thank you so much for committing the time, for coming down here today, for the honest conversation. And I'm That's sure great. that on the other side of this is going to help many people. Amazing. Thanks for having me on, man. Mate, pleasure. Appreciate it. Cheers. See you, man. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history in storytelling. And as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.